0: Dear listener and fellow story lover, This week's story speaks to the shadow places within us, those of suspicion, prejudice and guardedness. Loneliness is an affliction that can strike anyone at any time in their life, but can be remedied relatively easily by simple acts of kindness and welcome. I hope you enjoy this week's Stories from Before. Welcome to Our Village Written by Annie Hamilton Donnell Read by Selina Cadell By permission of the Lutterworth Press Music by Stacy Weir If David hadn't gone up the road instead of down with Aunt Susan's Blumange and Cake this would have been a different story. Lucy Sutton's come home Of course you know who Lucy Sutton is Of course I do, nodded the minister's little wife. I don't know the sight of her, but I know the sound. This place is full of her praises. She must have been away a long time, judging from how glad everybody's going to be to have her back. Six months. That's a long time to live without Lucy Sutton. You tell the minister he'll have somebody to hold up his hands now. "'He'll like us better from today, you see. "'Lucy got here today. "'Some people do make so much difference in a place. "'And some don't.' "'Again,' the ministers of the wife nodded. "'You mean?' she hesitated. "'Yes, that's who I mean. "'I'm dreadfully afraid she isn't going to be any great addition to Siloam. "'And somehow I can't help feeling kind of responsible.' If Lucy Sutton had been here, the Dillinghams house wouldn't have been let to a town person nobody ever heard of. Question is, what Lucy's going to say to it now she is here? She seems like a nice quiet lady, hesitated the minister's wife. She was not referring to Lucy Sutton. Quiet was not the adjective for Lucy. Oh, she's quiet enough. The quiet ones are the hardest to find out about. I don't believe she has spoken to ten souls in Siloam. Spoken to them. Maybe ten souls in Siloam haven't spoken to her. I haven't called, in Susan Weatherby crisply. And what's more, I don't intend to till I know something about who she is and who her people were. I like to know who I'm calling on. Here in Siloam, we know each other generations back, "'our grands and great-grands and great-greats. "'We are open books to each other, "'and this stranger woman's shut up and clasped. "'She'll find Siloam isn't going to take her in at first sight.' "'Poor woman,' murmured the minister's tender little wife. "'She had meant to call on the stranger very soon, "'but if this was the way Miss Weatherby felt... "'Besides... Her two-year-ago hat was so outlandish this year, and even minister's wives have some pride. "'She's very stylish,' the minister's wife said sighingly, smitten with her own unstylishness. Susan Weatherby made a curious sound in her throat. Hmm. "'The stylish are the worst,' she replied epigrammatically." "'That's one reason I feel it my duty to warn people not to go there too hurriedly. "'I don't trust those towering ornament things on hats. "'If I were you, I'd wait a little might before I called at the Dillingham house. "'Safer to, till we find out something about her. "'I shall caution Lucy Sutton. "'It would be just like Lucy to go rushing there tomorrow.' Getting back to Lucy was curiously like getting back into smooth, clear water, and both women, visitor and hostess, swam about in it relievedly. To think I haven't seen Lucy yet! I was going to be over at her house, at the front door, with my arms open. Then I went and twisted my ankle over the pantry step when I was carrying the blamange I'd made for her. I made it in my new mould, Ear of corn as natural as life. Lucy will laugh at that ear of corn. I'm going to gather some pansies to put round the edge of the plate and make it look nice. And a La France rose for the top of the cake. I've made Lucy a little celebration cake. Well, I'll have to send them down by David. That's David, out in the garden. He's my sister Kitty's little boy, come to stay with me for a while. David's pretty steady. If he walks slowly and carefully. Mind you walk slowly, David, Aunt Susan besought a little later. The minister's wife had gone, and the celebration blancmange had been brought up from the pantry and arranged carefully for transportation. Little David's face was furrowed with anxiety. I'll go this way, he patterned, mincing his short steps still shorter. I won't spill a single nothing, Aunt Susan. Not nothing. You watch me. (sighs) No, I don't want to watch you, Aunt Susan sighed. I'll hold the door open for you and then I shall go in and shut my eyes and my ears. The first White House you come to, David. Listen. The first White House. W-H-I-T-E. Yes, Aunt Susan, Sister Kitty's little boy, was gravely polite. And you're going to say to the lady, what are you going to say to the lady, David? Let me hear you say it. My aunt sends this with, with chunks of love. Oh, David, heaps, heaps of love. And she says, 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 what did Aunt Susan say? David's furrows deepened torturously. Something about a pump? No, a well! Welcome to our village, Aunt Susan prompted, but without courage. David would never give the message correctly. All he could possibly be relied on to do was take that cake and blamange right side up, if he managed that much. You sit down on the bottom stair. Don't stir. I'll go and write a note to Lucy. I don't know what I was thinking of not to in the first place. She came back with the folded sheet and once more David started. Going forth to meet his Goliath little sling in hand would have taken no more courage. He girded his small loins and minced his steps. Aunt Susan shut her eyes. First White House, she called after him. W-I-T-E, sent back David. He walked painstakingly down Aunt Susan's straight and narrow path and turned up the village street of Salome. It bore no other name than The Road, since the few offshoots to David's right and left as he trudged were merely lanes. All Salome practically lived in The Road, excepting the farmers who lived along these lanes. Rosemary Drew had come to Siloam to be comforted. Left utterly alone and worn threadbare with life's ceaseless nagging and its emptiness, she had suddenly revolted and fled from the unfeeling, uncaring town. The cool, shady, really little name had leaped out of a dreary list of names. Oh, surely, oh, surely a place called Siloam was what she longed for, Her sad heart took courage. Two months she had lived in the first W-I-T-E house David came to. Long enough to be a little comforted. The coolness, the shadiness, the rilliness had had time enough to sink into her tired senses and soothe them. But Rosemary Drew was not yet comforted. She sat at the window and gazed wistfully up and down the road. She might so easily love it. It was so peacefully still and wide and bordered on either side by such dear old homesteads. That was what Salome was. Homesteads where generation after generation had lived its threescore years and ten. This was a homestead she was living in. But alas, she was not a Salome generation. She sat a lone little alien at the Dillingham window where only Dillinghams should sit. She realised her own discordant note in the sweet droning tone of Siloam. I wish I were a Dillingham, she mourned. And again her gaze travelled up, travelled down the pleasant road. I love it, she thought. Why can't it love me? I couldn't hurt Salome, but oh, Salome could hurt her, and without knowing or caring. The sweet old-world name of Rosemary sat askew upon her this afternoon. More discord. She felt too old and lonesome and depressed to be a Rosemary anything, But the spirit of the fanciful little name lurked always underneath her mood, ready to spring joyously forth at the least encouragement. She was a Rosemary. Supposing now, this minute, something beautiful were to happen. Supposing someone were coming to her, Rosemary drew along the road. Someone was coming. Now she saw him, stepping carefully, not spilling a single nothing as he came. It was David. Rosemary Drew watched the little laden figure wistfully. It might so easily stop at the Dillingham house, and surely such a little figure would not mind her not being a Dillingham from generation to generation. The Rosemary spirit stood, ready to dance forth if the beautiful thing should happen. David turned in at his first white house. It had happened. He came toiling up the Dillingham front path and the joyous Rosemary sprang to the door to meet him. You came to see me, you dear. You're going to let me talk to you and you're going to talk to me. You don't care much about the Dillinghams, do you? I don't mind you being a little smith or brown or anybody. Look out, don't let me joggle. David warned. Blamange juggles dreadfully easy. My Aunt Susan sent it and cake. There's a letter somewhere inside me that says why she sent them. There's something about a well, I mean a pump, and chunks, I mean chunks of love. Perhaps you better read the letter. So if I've forgotten anything. You dear mumbled the lady who should have been a Dillingham in the white nape of David's neck. Years ago, she had possessed a little neck to kiss. That old sweet possession rankled always in her soul, a beautiful pain. The cake kind of dropped once, but I blew the dust off. It was a good thing it wasn't the bemonge dropped, wasn't it? You can't blow bemonge. Now you're going to eat it? "'Makes a person pretty hungry carrying things.' "'I'd rather eat you,' she cried, Rosemary flushed. "'If I only knew your name, dear, i like to know the names of things I eat.' "'David, I'm David,' he laughed, "'all his aged little gravity dispelled. "'Aunt Susan sent the letter,' he added, "'returning to his responsibilities.' Oh, give me Aunt Susan's letter, David, and I'll read it while you try the cake. If it's good, David, we'll have a picnic. I feel as if a picnic were coming. Something nice was coming. A letter from an Aunt Susan. And the pretty cake that David had dusted so thoughtfully and the beautiful Beaumange. what could it all mean? Oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what it means. That might spoil it. But she read the letter from an Aunt Susan, and it did not spoil it. The warmth and comfort, oh, the dearness of that little letter David brought. Welcome to our village, she read. I can't come myself because I have sprained my ankle, but my heart isn't sprained. I'm glad, and all Salome is glad to have you in our midst. You wait and see if we don't make you so happy you'll never go away again. If David gets the blamange to you right side up, please taste the friendship and welcome in it. I flavoured it strong. Come and see me if you have two good ankles. Come quick. The intimate tone of it went to Rosemary's head like new wine. She drank the whole sweet quaff of it unsuspectingly, joyously. Oh, this is what she had thirsted for and she had thought salome stiff when all salome welcomed her in its midst and in salome's midst was its heart the good warm heart of salome david david she cried in her need of audience it's good said david we can have the picnic we'll have it here on the veranda just you and i but first i must answer my letter my beautiful letter, David. And while I'm getting the picnic ready, you can carry the answer to Aunt Susan, don't you see? When you get back here, everything will be ready. It was a rather long answer to Aunt Susan's letter because there was so much to put into it. All her gratitude and relief, all her joy, her eager acceptance of this sweet friendship, she put them all in. It was a transparent little answer that Rosemary sent. I'm coming. Oh, quick, because you said come quick. My ankles are good enough to run on. It is so beautiful to be welcome to Siloam when I did so want to be. It's like a beautiful dream come true. For I am awake. I must be. For here is David in his little solid flesh. Oh, David's Aunt Susan, if you knew what you have done for me. "'So it went on eagerly. "'Aunt Susan met David at her gate. "'She was visibly disturbed. "'What have you been doing up the road, David? "'I expected you to come straight home "'after taking my things to Miss Sutton's.' "'I did come straight home. "'I only just waited for her answer. "'She said wait, "'and then she said I was to go back to the picnic. "'I can go back to the picnic, can't I, Aunt Susan?' David, I don't understand it at all. How can you come home from exactly the opposite direction and say you came straight home? I can David said firmly. I came quite straight and she said the picnic would be all ready soon as I got back. I think perhaps I better go back now. Give me Miss Sutton's note, Aunt Susan demanded a little sharply. She had not supposed her sister Kitty's boy could be guilty of prevarication. Sit down on the doorstep while I read it. Aunt Susan read with lifted brows at first, then with dismay, then suddenly with constricting, aching throat. For it was all so plain then to Aunt Susan. She read so much in the note. A warm human flood of pity met the rising tide of self-shame in her breast, and the waters flowed together and nearly inundated her. Down beside David dropped Aunt Susan with her letter in her hand. Oh, David, David, she said, as Rosemary Drew had cried. The little solid flesh of David met both their needs, but David's flesh craved picnics. He made one more plea. Perhaps she's waiting and the things will spoil. You went up the road instead of down, David. I never thought to say down, but I did say the first White House. I don't understand. She's the first White House. The first, first. And if the picnic's all waiting and spoiling... After he had gone, Aunt Susan sat still on the doorstep. Her stiff and swollen foot held out before her. Her stiff and swollen pride had melted within her. She had the feeling, the more she sat and thought, that she ought to be on her knees thanking the Lord that David had gone up instead of down. A great wrong had been averted. She shivered with actual cold, when she remembered that she had meant to warn Lucy Sutton against this lone little stranger within Salome's gates. She had warned the minister's wife. In the Weatherby attic, across two nails under the eaves, were Grandfather Weatherby's crutches. Susan Weatherby remembered them and toiled up on remonstrating ankles to get them. She dressed herself hurriedly and limped away on them down the road, Every motion tortured her, but the torture of body was almost in the nature of relief to Susan. She went first to the minister's wife, whom she found hulling strawberries for the minister's tea. "'Give me the dish. I can't confess with empty hands.' It was like tearing the whole from her bleeding pride for Susan Weatherby, of generation after generation of Weatherby's, to confess.' to eat this humble pie, as she called it. But Susan ate it there in the minister's garden. It was a different picnic from that of David and the rosemary lady on the Dillingham veranda. We're all human, Susan said, but I don't know that I ever acknowledged I was before. I'm afraid I came dreadfully near being inhuman. The minister better come out here and pray for me, Then, if it lames me too, I'm going to limp down to Lucy Sutton's and send her to see that little lonely thing. Lucy's the one to begin. I'm too ashamed to go myself till somebody paves the way. And Lucy's a good paver. But if she had known, it was David who was the best paver of ways. It was David who had saved Salome. On the Dillingham veranda, he sat and paved diligently. "'I'm having a beautiful picnic, joyous little David said. "'If there was any more cake...' "'There is,' Rosemary laughed, "'slipping her own piece across with buteous sleight of hand. "'Oh, David, oh, little David of my heart, "'how different the world is from what we thought it was.' What would you say it was flavoured with David? Oh, sugar, smacked David, whose world just then was made of cake. The End I hope you enjoyed this sobering yet lovely story of happenstance. How easy it can be to make a positive difference in someone's life, especially a stranger's. Please subscribe or follow this podcast and share it with your family and friends. I hope you enjoy a lovely week. I look forward to being with you next week when I again share stories from before.